This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, December 21st. Coming up, last year, the majority of abortions in Kansas were performed on people from outside the state. Most of them are coming from states with new restrictions on abortion. But Kansas voters could decide next summer whether the state will remain a destination for abortions. Plus, we'll talk to some Kansas City residents about how they're feeling about the second calendar year of the COVID-19 pandemic. But first, some headlines. Software giant Oracle will buy Cerner, Kansas City's largest private employer, in a deal valued at almost $30 billion. Dan Margulies reports. Oracle is one of the biggest providers of software to other companies. Cerner provides electronic health records to hospitals and other health care providers. The company was founded in Kansas City in 1979 and is now the second biggest vendor of electronic health records after Epic Systems. Cerner employs more than 12,700 people at four campuses in the Kansas City area. The company has more than 25,000 employees worldwide. Although Oracle said it intends to grow Cerner's presence in the Kansas City area, it's not immediately clear what the deal's long-term implications are for Cerner's presence here. Officials of both companies could not be reached for comment. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 has been found in Wyandotte County. The county government says the two cases were in adults between the ages of 20 and 39 who were fully vaccinated. The variant was first found in Kansas last week, in Franklin County and Douglas County. In Missouri, it's been found in St. Louis. The Omicron variant is considered highly contagious and is now the dominant variant of the virus in the U.S. Jackson County health officials are urging parents to take precautions to protect kids, with COVID cases now surging among children. KCUR's Alex Smith reports. In eastern Jackson County, the rate of new cases among children ages 5 to 18 has nearly tripled during the last five weeks. Kids now make up 30 percent of all COVID cases there. Infections began to ramp up dramatically after the Jackson County Legislature ended its mask mandate in November and following the Thanksgiving holiday. Only 29 percent of children ages 5 and older are fully vaccinated in eastern Jackson County. Officials urge parents to use masks in public and seek shots for their kids. Kansas has become an unlikely sanctuary for people across the Midwest and the South seeking abortions. But the future of abortion in Kansas could shift quickly. Abigail Sensky of the Kansas News Service reports from a clinic in Wichita. It was September when the phone line started to get swamped at Trust Women, one of just two surgical abortion clinics in Kansas. Right on September 1, it was like the floodgates opened and we just every almost every line on our phone system was lit up. That's Ashley Brink, the clinic director for Trust Women's Wichita location. Her clinic started to see a dramatic increase in the number of patients from Texas after that state enacted a ban on abortion after six weeks. There was just a lot of urgency, I would say, like a lot of the patients calling were just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. This is the first thing that came up that was closest to me. So some people were like, I'm driving five hours, you know, I don't want to drive back the same day. Um, Are there hotels local to you? And so the number of Texans who got abortions at the Wichita Clinic jumped from just one in August to 51 in September. Oklahoma patients were getting pushed out of their own state as Texans filled up appointments in Oklahoma. 
Kaylee Vollinger operates Trust Women's other clinic in Oklahoma City, where appointments are now booked a month in advance. That often means that patients who could have ended their pregnancy with a pill must have a more invasive procedure. Um, we had a patient here in Wichita yesterday that is, lives 15 minutes from the Oklahoma City clinic where I typically work at. Like she drove all the way here, you know, here when we have a clinic that's 15 minutes from her house. For Trust Women, this is deja vu. It saw a similar bottleneck when Texas and Oklahoma effectively shut down abortion clinics during the pandemic by declaring the procedure elective. It was the first year since 1973 that more than half of the abortions in Kansas were performed on women from out of state. But things could change in 2022. Danielle Underwood is a spokeswoman for the powerful anti-abortion rights group Kansans for Life. It wants Kansans to change the state constitution next August to say there's no specific right to an abortion. It's not a ban on abortion. It's not a gateway to a ban to abortion. It is correcting a very specific legal decision um, that was an overreach. Elizabeth Nash, the state policy analyst with the Guttmacher Institute, a reproductive health research organization that supports abortion rights, says she's dubious. There is a, a path you could imagine around Kansas voters adopting this amendment to the Constitution and then the state legislature passing an abortion ban. In fact, that's exactly what happened in Alabama. All but one of the states that changed their state constitutions have gone on to pass near or total abortion bans. Those are all being challenged in court. If the U.S. Supreme Court overturns the landmark Roe v. Wade case next year that protects abortion rights, 21 states are poised to restrict or outright ban abortions, including many states near Kansas. Trust Women is already making plans in case that happens. One idea? getting commercial driver's licenses for everyone working at the clinics to ferry patients across state lines. Rebecca Tong, co-executive director of the Trust Women nonprofit, says they have plan A to plan Z. So one of the things that we've discussed for our Oklahoma clinic, because they do have a trigger ban in place there, is uh, potentially they could become an appointment-making center for our Kansas clinic. But Vollinger says losing Kansas as a sanctuary would really complicate things for patients across the Midwest and South. It's really scary to think about Kansas because it is a safe haven. If Kansas restricts access, the next closest state for many of her patients would be Colorado, New Mexico, or Illinois. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Abigail Sensky in Wichita. The Kansas News Service is a collaboration of KCUR, KMUW, Kansas Public Radio, and High Plains Public Radio. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Coming up, how pandemic safety precautions have changed the way one Kansas City construction company does things. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This is Kansas City Today. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a division of UMB Bank, UMB always puts your interests first. UMB's registered advisors are fiduciaries, so that means they are legally and ethically required to only recommend investments that are the best fit for your individual circumstances. UMB provides one-on-one -on -one guidance to help you make savvy financial choices on your wealth-building journey. Tap into high-touch financial planning services so you can earn, grow, and create the life you want. Learn more at umb.com slash wealth hyphen management.
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today, we begin a series of interviews with people around Kansas City about how they've been coping with the second calendar year of the COVID-19 pandemic. First up is Fatima Parrish. She's the president and founder of Parrish & Sons Construction, based in Kansas City. The past couple of years, her company has had to cope with more sick workers and a slew of new safety regulations. And she's joining me now over Zoom. Hi, Fatima. Hi, Nomeen. So how has 2021 been for you? The pandemic has affected my business in, in many ways. And when I say many ways, it starts out with the the revision or the revising of our safety plan uh, in order to you know continue on with business. You, when you talk about business continuity, and when we get you know a new update from the CDC, OSHA is right there, you know, at the forefront of that, providing and passing on those recommendations for us as as businesses. We have to make sure that we are you know keeping everyone safe. Can you tell me a little bit more? about what revisions you've had to make? So how it's changed is that our safe action plan would consist of doing temperature checks. Um, I've purchased the infrared thermometers and we've had to go through an extra hygienic step of cleaning our machine. So once the operator, you know, removes himself from that machine, hey, here's, you know, a can of Lysol, here is a can of Clorox wipes. So when you're done with that piece of equipment for the day, we're spraying it down we're wiping it down. But first and foremost, before our employees start work for the day, hey, have you been running a fever? Have you uh, experienced any of the following symptoms? And so we go through that list with them and we hope that they're answering it, you know, honestly, because, you know, should it not be answered honestly, you're, you're putting the entire crew at risk. And, you know, it's just the, the things that the, the fear of the unknown. What have your biggest challenges been over the past year and a half now? The biggest challenge is, you know, what happens when an employee is sick? What happens when they, you know, contract COVID-19? You know, it, it caused a slowdown for us and our deliverables across, you know, multiple projects. Thank goodness that we've had understanding uh, clients who allowed us to, you know, have that two weeks or that 14 day or that 10 day period where we didn't have the full team in place because certain individuals were, you know, exposed and had to, you know, stay home in quarantine. So we really had to rely on the relationships with our trade partners to, you know, say, hey, you know, our guys are down. You know, we had one person who contracted it and then it spread to another. And so now we have a whole crew that's down. And so that communication was sent to our clients. They were understanding. We were able to revise schedules and we were able to get back on step once everyone was back healthy. How often has that happened over the course of the pandemic that people have been out with COVID? Oh, it, it's been extra quite frequent every couple months, you know, at, at least a couple times in a quarter. So we, we've had a good string of our, you know, our good guy. I mean, our guys that have been, you know, impacted, including myself. So it, it's, it, it's, it's no joke. Uh, but we, like I said, again, we've had, you know, other team members that have able to be, that have been able to step in and step up and, you know, fill that void while, you know, other individuals are in recovery. How often did people get so sick that they couldn't work before the pandemic? It was pretty low to no downtime due to sickness uh, pre-pandemic. Pre, pre 
So what have you learned? What I've learned with, you know, within the past year and and dealing with, you know, the the fluidity of everything is that you have to be extremely transparent and you have to over communicate, you know, as soon as you're impacted by something, whether you think it's, you know, big or small, you have to reach out and communicate that to your trade partner or your client just to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're aware of, you know, the, the cost increase or the, the impact of, you know, the, the, the labor force. How do we come together and work on an action plan, a corrective action plan or a safe action plan that'll allow us to, you know, press forward in the midst of so much of the unknown. Fatima Parrish is the president and founder of Parrish and Sons Construction. Thanks, Fatima. Thank you, Nomeen. Have a great holiday. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomeen Ujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and Lisa Rodriguez, and edited by Gabe Rosenberg. To read Abigail's story about abortion in Kansas, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news stories from Kansas City's NPR station. If you're enjoying our show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app or leave us a voicemail at 816-235-8930 with your thoughts. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at a Christmas tradition for many Latinos. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.